Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Amen. All right, let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach your Word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to get our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I thank you, Father God, because the Holy Ghost lives big on my inside and grants me utterance. Father, we cause that your word will bless your people. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Alright, so, um, how many of you participated in the last seminar we did? The three-day seminar, Faith to Overcome the World. How many of you streamed that? Praise God. Okay, so, if you streamed that, you would... Uh, continue on the track that we're in. I felt very deep in my spirit that there are still things regarding this message that still needs to be thought, that still need to be unpacked, that still needs to open up to people. And the Lord began to deal with me regarding this and I began to uh, build on this. So, make sure you get the messages and listen to them over and over again. One of the ways you can get the best from this local house or this local church is to get the messages and listen to them again and again and again and feed your spirit with those messages. Praise God. I was talking to, turn your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I was talking to one of our service team members uh, over the week. And um, he, he was telling me about his desire to attend a Bible school. In fact, the way he put it was, I've always wanted to attend a Bible school uh, to grow in my knowledge of God. But when I, you know, like join the local church, I'm seeing that desire fed. You know, that desire met because I see the way you teach in the Word of God. It's opening up the Word of God to me. And I told him something. Give me First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. Who is there? I told him something. I said, the truth of the matter is that every local church should be a Bible school. That's the design. The design of every local church, it ought to be... A Bible school. You know, so when you have to go to a Bible school, it is more like when you have a school, then you have a lesson teacher. Do you understand that? Now, you realize that every child does not need a lesson teacher in that sense. If, I mean, if the, if the school is doing their job and your child is paying attention in school. Alright? But the lesson teacher is just extra help to teach the same things that um, the child is being taught in school. How many of you understand that example? Are you guys alive? Okay, I'm just wondering. Say amen. Okay, thank you. Are we ready to have a good service? Okay, so I'll start again. So, the school, original purpose of the school is to do what? Is to teach the child. Now, when you have a lesson teacher, the lesson teacher is just to teach the same thing that the school ought to teach or help the child understand better. So that's the purpose of a Bible school. Now, why I'm saying this is this. We must learn to have the right approach to church. We must learn to have the right approach to the local church. And because the approach we have to the local church in the 21st century is an approach of entertainment, not education. The church was never designed to be a place of entertainment. It was never designed to be a place where we just feel cool and feel good. The church actually is a place designed for retraining and renewal of mind. So, your approach or your conduct to the local church should be that of a student. 
Let's look at this. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. But in case I'm delayed, I write to you so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. What's the household of God? The church. So I'm writing to you to know how to conduct yourself, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So the church is the pillar and support of the truth. So what is one of the ways by which you can conduct yourself in the local church? You conduct yourself as a student to learn. And that's why I encourage you, if you're a member of this local church, if you're a serious member of this local church, you should have a notebook strictly for what we teach in church. And that's why you see that sometimes I spend months on a subject. What am I trying to do? So that you are schooled properly in the lines of that subject. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. This is with the foundation that you'll follow the seminar. If you have not asked for ask the office and get the link and download. I've done four parts on this already. This is uh, three parts on it, four sessions. So let's go to 1 John chapter 2 now. We're doing with faith to overcome the world, path 4. 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 15. 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. And I've dealt with this in part 3. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. This is a direct command from scriptures. It says, if anyone loves the world, look at this now, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what, what the scripture is trying to say here is that you cannot have the capacity to love two people at the same time. It means that if I love the world, then the love of the Father is not in me because I ought to use that love to love the Father. Now, it tries to define the world because it's not just talking about cars, houses, and the rest. It defines the world. Go to verse 16. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father. But it is from the world. Now, the, the, it defines the world to us. For instance, if I say, look at this carefully, everybody look up. If I say, do not love the pulpit, right? And this is the pulpit now. If I say, do not love the pulpit, it, it might look like... A, like in a, you know, an abstract thing. This is a whole thing. How do you define not loving the pulpit? Then I go on to say, do not love the pulpit, neither the things in the pulpit. What are the things in the pulpit? My Bible, my notepad, my water. So what that tells me is that if I can identify the Bible, the notepad, and the water, if I can see this somewhere, I can identify that these are the things that are in the pulpit. Do you understand it? So it means that if I take the Bible, I take my notepad, I take my water, and I place it here, even though it is not in this, in this space of the pulpit, it is still part of the things that are in the pulpit. Do you get that now? So the three things that we can identify that tells us what the world is. Because for instance, if I come and say, that person is worldly. What comes to your mind? Come on, tell me now. Talk, talk to me, church. What comes to your mind? If I say, this woman is worldly or this boy is worldly, what comes to your mind? The way they dress, right? Maybe the way they dress, the way they talk. Or... But the truth of the matter is that the world is identified by this whole thing called lust. Now, funny enough again, when I say lust, the one thing that comes to our mind most times is what? Sexual immorality, but that's not just it. That's part of it, but that's not just it. It identifies three things that identify to us what is called the things of the world. Number one is what? Come on, number one is what? The lust of the flesh. I've dealt with that. Number two? 
the lust of the eyes. Number three, the boastful pride of life. Mark these three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Now, when we talk about the things of the world, we're not just talking about the physical things. For instance, this is a microphone, right? This is a microphone. Now, I can use this microphone to sing any kind of crazy song. Right? I can also use this microphone like I am now to preach. So you realize that the problem is not the mic. The mic just amplifies whatever the person holding it is doing. It's the same with anything in this world. Somebody can take their phone and learn how to design graphics. Somebody can take that same phone and be addicted to pornography. The problem is not the phone. Somebody can take a car and misbehave with it. Somebody can take a car and serve the purpose of the kingdom with it. So when we talk about the things of this world, I don't want us to look at just the natural things. I want us to look behind that and see what the scripture defines as the things of the world. So he defines a system behind the things of the world. I talked about the God of this world, right? So he talked about the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Now, I, I, I said to you earlier that Eve overcame Eve could not overcome this temptation. She saw that the food was good for eyes, good for food, and it would make her wise. Those three things sum up the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Jesus overcame this same temptation when Satan showed him all the glory, told him to convert stones to bread and everything. Each and every time of our life, we're going to face this temptation with these three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so what do we use our faith for? We use our faith to overcome these things that are in the world. Praise the name of the Lord. Now go to verse 17. Just follow me. You'll get it. Verse 17. The world is passing away. And also it's lost. So you see that it says, it talks about the world. It talks about his lost. It says the world is passing away and also is lost. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So John divides this whole thing. John talks about the world and is lost. It goes on the other hand. It talks about the one who does the will of God. So he contrasts the love of the world and the loss of the world to doing the will of God. Why? Because the world and the loss that is in the world is what prevents men from doing the will of God. That's why you realize in Romans chapter 12, Paul says that if we want to do the will of God, we have to renew our mind. We have to change the way we think. We have to renew our mind concerning things because the, the, the struggle we have most times as believers is that we are pressed against the ideals and the philosophies of the world. We contend with them daily. And most of us would require faith to be able to overcome these ideals. To be able to overcome these suggestions. Are you following this now? Come on, I said, are you following this now? Now, Faith is essentially not to get things. Faith is to please God. <laughs> faith is essentially not to get things from God. And most times, it's not bad. It's not, bad it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that prevents us from getting the best. Our conception of faith is just how to get things. Come on, how many of you, how many of you know what I'm saying? That's the way we've been taught. 
That's why when we talk about salvation, and, and I want to build on that now, is that most of us, we didn't come to Christianity based on the fact that we heard the gospel and we received the gospel. Most of us came to Christianity because it promised a solution to a problem. So, convictions are not deep-rooted. So, you just heard, ah, are you looking for the fruit of the womb? Come to our miracle service. Are you looking for, uh, what did you look for again? Husband, you know, come to our miracle uh, anointing service. Are you looking for a job? So, what was your driving force to get into church? Your need. Follow me carefully. That's the driving force. That's what you push. Okay? So, when you came... The, 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 the preacher just preached. You know, when Jesus comes, uh, yeah, he's going to solve all your problems. Jesus died so you will not be poor again. Uh, Jesus will give you husband if you don't have husband. If uh, Jesus even said he's the husband to the, I know, let me preach all that. And I said, but you know what? You know what? All these things I've told you, all these things I've preached, all these wonderful things, you cannot get them if you don't know him as Lord and Savior. Am I right? Come on, talk to me now. Am I right? And so you just, just ah, you want husband. Why did I not get, if it's to make him Lord and Savior to get husband, who will not do that? Who will miss out all of these goods? So you just come forward. Say, do you accept Jesus? I accept Jesus. Lord and Savior. Yeah, okay, feed this card. Okay, follow that. Go to that place. And I'm a member of the church. And I'm born again. Say you are born again. I'm born again. Okay. <laughs> so you are born again. Yeah, you're born again. The guy lives there, straight to his girlfriend's house. He's born again. Straight. And then from there, it's coming for midweek service. You know what his connection with God is? His job. That's his connection with God. He never heard the gospel that showed him the depravity of his human nature and the need to have a new nature. If we don't go through problem method, that's why most of us cannot preach. If we send a lot of Christians out to the streets now and say, go and Get someone born again. They don't know what to say. They just church church player. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come to our church. He said, I have church. They say, but come, there's power in our own. Do you understand that? There's, no, there's nothing. Then at the end, you now have some testimonies behind. I joined the church seven years ago, and I have two flats. You know, he says, read really the testimony. Read really. it. God is working in our church. Now, there's no, I, not, they, they don't understand salvation. So they can't preach because the pastors don't even understand it. Are you following this now? If you don't get born again through that method, and you need to follow what I'm saying now. If you don't get born again through that method, they will not show you hellfire fame. And people are born. Hey, give me water. Give me water. Give me water. I said, do you want to burn like that? Say, no, I don't want to burn. So you yeah, are come forward. <laughs> I don't want to burn. Okay, yeah, you are born again. So, the, the challenge is now, we've got people who don't even know that they are in a different kingdom. They don't know why they are saved. So this is the problem why people move from church to church. Because after somebody got you in here and said in two years you are going to get a husband, now it's two and a half years, you don't have a husband, your login period has expired in the church. You've got to change another church. Are you following this now? Because there is no gospel presented. You know, a lot of people have asked me this, that why don't I make altar call? I mean, I do. I do that. Truth of the matter is this, right? Study scriptures thoroughly. When people heard the message, they asked, what should we do to be saved? 
people get born again, when they have heard the message, the conviction will, will lead them to ask how to get born again. Getting born again is not something you rush people because you want to feel card. That's why most of you got born again many times. You are here. Most of the time you went forward. Because after you got born again, you went back, you did something, you came back again, you came back, you went. You don't born again before now. How many times did you say, I was okay, so this is the last born again now? Because you, you were not taught, you did not come to the conviction that I needed a savior. And so it, that's why the challenge is that by the time the persecutions arise, the first thing you do is you stop church. Because your connection to the church was about yourself, your selfish self. Not about the fact that you needed a savior to save you from your sin. Are we still, are we still here? Are you glad you came today? Alright. So, um, we, we talk about Hebrews eleven six. What's the primary purpose of faith? Give me Hebrews eleven six. It says we by faith we please God. So our faith, it says, and without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. That means He exists. is the self-existent one, and that He is a rewarder. Look at this. He is a rewarder of those who do what? Come on, who seek prosperity? Who seek wives? Who seek children? Who does he reward? The man who seeks him. So what do you primarily need to use your faith for? You need to use your faith to do what? To seek God. Come on, is somebody with me here? Someone say, oh pastor, are you against prosperity? You can't sit in a church like this and be asking that question. If we are against prosperity, we will not be where we are. (laughs) But we cannot... Put prosperity first before godliness. Because let me ask you a question. If you have the opportunity to sit with Dangote now and present the gospel to him, what will you, what will you preach to him? What will you say? See, our God can prosper you. Man has no need for it. Do you understand? He's building a refinery. You know when you know that most believers were not presented and trained in the gospel properly... Put a believer with a Muslim. Let a Muslim unpack and disorganize the scripture for you. You will not realize that you don't have it. Even some of you are scared of Jehovah's Witnesses. Let me explain this. Let me explain this. You know the way they, you know Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't make noise. They don't do program three days and not for breakthrough, 70 days of You know what they do? Jehovah's Witnesses are closest to the way church should run than most Pentecostal churches. What Jehovah's Witness does is discipleship. The, and you know what? There's no evangelism department in Jehovah's Witness. Even as you are here now, say invite people to church. Eh, I cannot invite anybody. Go and join Jehovah's Witness. You will not live, but you will carry bag. Do you understand? When you join their congregation, they don't admit you immediately. You are like an observer. Who, is anybody from former Jehovah's Witness here? Okay, no. Go and study. You, you are like an observer for some time. They start training you. They start training you. They are closest to what God wants the church to be like more than most Pentecostal churches. Even their children. They don't train and leave their children. It's not as well you come to church and then your children are playing, playing football somewhere. Or you go to this church. Your child is going to the other church. They don't do that. Everybody has their bag. And then even if you cannot preach, you will hold the bag and follow the man who can preach. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what conviction is? You know they don't believe in blood transfusion. I'm, I want to, I'm showing you something. They don't believe in blood transfusion. Even when they are about to die, they will tell the doctor, don't give me blood. It's against what God said. That is conviction. I'm not here talking about what is right or wrong. I'm just telling you about a man has been trained that his own life means nothing to him than to keep the status of the scripture. That is what it means in the book of Revelation when he said they overcame him by the word of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives or to death. That is not a scripture before people share testimony. It's an abuse of scripture. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They overcame me with the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Oh, yeah, sister Jeanette, come and share your testimony. Praise the Lord. After last convention, I was believing God for this bead. As Pastor Yossi said, it is where I went home and I saw bead. Amen. That's not, stop that rubbish. The next line says, and they loved not their lives unto death. He was talking to Matthias. He was talking to people who died. For the sake of the gospel. Look at somebody who bought a car. And this half quoting of scripture is our major problem in Christianity. We never finish a verse. We just like one line. That's conviction. And you know how that conviction is bettered? That conviction is bettered by constant training and constant teaching in a school format. Not convention and breakthrough format. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you, are you here? We're talking about faith to overcome the world. So faith is to please God. Faith is to obey God. Now, the, 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 the consequences of obeying God will come after, but our faith is to be able to live and to please God. Let's talk about the moments. You know, most Pentecostal churches... You need to get the message of both services. So what I don't cover in that service end. Most Pentecostal churches, they make noise about prosperity. Right? Make noise. Hey, Pastor God, praise the Lord. This church, we give two billion hours. Whoa! It's poverty in these guys. Go and study. Go and read. i give you that research. Some of the richest sects where they categorize them as a Christian sect, but they are actually a Christian sect. Some of the richest sects is the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. They are some of the richest sects of, let, permit me to use the word Christians. No noise anywhere. Some of you have seen the evangelists when they move. They wear white huh? and put small black stuff here. Some of you won't even know. You think that they are hotel... Uh, Attendance. Those are evangelists of Mormon. Full time preaching daily. You won't see billboard anywhere, but they are converting people. But you know us, we like noise. Flyers. Let's keep the town. Higher, let's hire. What's that thing? What's that thing you will rent now to do in your former church? What that thing you will rent to cost hold up? What is it? Tell them what it used to rent to cost hold up. What? Eh? Truck, <laughs> rent truck, enter today, today, tomorrow, no, more. no. Just think, you know, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know what you think. Eh? Can make noise, cause traffic. At the end of the day, how many new people came for the program? Two. You know, sometimes we don't think in Pentecost. See, we finish the town. See, don't you hold up everywhere? Some of those things are unnecessary. 
if you train your people, I'll give you a statistics. I'll give you a statistics. Most of you came to this church because someone who is blessed in this church asked you to come. Are you following what I'm saying? Another church that is very rich, very rich, is the Catholic church. But very modest. Pentecostal, once you hit one million, you go and buy shiny shoes. Shiny tie. See, Papa has gone to the next level. <laughs> is that thing called the boastful pride of life? It masquerades itself as a testimony of God's prosperity, but it is actually the pride of life. You need faith to overcome. You see, you would require faith to be wealthy and to be humble as a believer. You will need faith. Oh, we need to deal with these things here. We need to deal with these things here. Are you following this now? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. So we use our faith to seek God and to follow God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Colossians 1.10 How do we overcome the world? Because gradually, if we're not careful, the world is beginning to push its ideals to the church. The world is, going, is beginning to push itself, attach itself to us. We're beginning to take our value system from the world. What is the pride of life? We now call testimonies. Look at this. Colossians 1.10 Verse 9, for this reason also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Look at this. So that you will work in a manner worthy of the Lord. So there is a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in how many respects? In all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So how do you walk at God? You use faith. Not just to get things from God, but to please God. Because the obedience of, of God would require faith. It will go contrary to everything the world is teaching you. Are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? Go to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Let's, get, let's see how Peter sees this now. <laughs> I mean, when God began to deal with me on this, I'm like, oh God, <laughs> help me. Because these, these, are, these are strong stuff. Strong stuff. Second Peter chapter 1. Mm. Look at this. It says, Simon Peter, a bond servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He puts the word a bond servant before putting the word an apostle. Because most times today we are caught up in titles. You know what a bond servant is? A bond servant is different from a servant. I think I thought it when we were on the other side. You know what a bond servant is? Let me explain what a bond servant is. In those days when you had servants, every 50 years the servants could go free. It's called the year of jubilee. So you could release your servants. You, you could release your slave. But a bond slave is a slave who has been released but tells you that I want to continue serving. So what you do is that you, well, Old Testament, you pierce his ear, you, you, you pierce his ear against the door, you pierce his ear, I mean, there's this mark there. So that mark here tells you that that is a bond slave. That means that man has committed, or that woman has committed his life now willingly to serve you for the rest of your life. That's what a bond slave is. And, and most of the apostles use this for themselves. Paul also uses a bond servant or a bond slave. 
It's not just, it's a slave that has the opportunity to go free, but chooses not to be free. And that is what Paul was referring to when he says, all things are permissible, but not, things, not all things are lawful. I, as I can use my freedom to do what I want to do, but I choose to obey God, so I'd rather not do some things. That's what a bond slave means. It says, bond slave and apostle. Today we have many title carriers. I remember a young friend of mine called me one time that oh, we, we should come for his ordination. I said, I thought you've been ordained as a pastor. He says, Oh, no, that uh, he needed to be ordained as a reverend. Like, you don't need to be ordained as a reverend. If you want to answer reverend, write it in front of your name, R O E V D. Put your name there. Because we have all these hierarchies we create in church. Start out as an evangelist, become a pastor, become a reverend, become an apostle, then end up as a prophet. These things are giftings. They are not primary school classes. Primary 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. These things are configurations of the Spirit. I know people who call themselves apostles and they come zero plant a church. Zero. Can't plant nothing. We don't go after the titles. These are just functions of the Spirit. Say Simon Peter, born servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And the reason I'm saying this, I need to emphasize this, I feel God wants me to emphasize this. The reason I'm saying this is because some of us, when we become pastors, we are almost like we are exalted above other people. A pastor is a bond servant. That's what the Lord teaches. Because if we're not careful, we're going to take the pastoral office and, and build it with the pride of life. And what we present to people, you know, what we present to people as ministry today is not the work behind pastoral office. It's the, it's the, it's the glamour. We, we like it. You're preaching here. There's a guy here with dark glasses. A guy here with dark glasses. One guy here. One guy there. I finished preaching. They take my Bible. Somebody's running after me with water. It's got handkerchief. They open the door. I enter. I wave you. Like, wow, I need to be called. We like the rasmatars around that. We like the, we like that. Every, listen. Let me not say that. Simon Peter, a born servant, apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have received the faith of the same kind as ours. The same faith. The same faith. You know, you know people say, Yeah, pastor, you're saying this because your church is small. I say, you know what? You know one man that is a sterling example of consistency of humility to me in this, in this, in this whole Christian faith? is W.F. Kumui. Can't say he's a small man. He's got churches, massive. The thousands of seat auditorium they bought, they just built, is constructed by a construction company. But you know what? You can't find anything written about him about, about about how much he owns, what he has bought, what he has. You know why? Just conservative. It helps the faith. It helps the faith. Why is it that people like Daddy Freeze can speak against pastors and against? We cost it. Because every time we stand on the pulpit, instead of preaching Christ, we preach how many cars they just sold into our life. It's not every testimony you should share. Even Jesus does not encourage that. And because we've taught a wrong theology that if you don't share a testimony, the Satan will take it out from you. It is a lie. The reason most people encourage you to share testimonies is the more testimonies you share, the more it looks like 
power is here. Things are working. Sometimes we take our self-identities from the testimonies that are shared. There is no testimony you don't share that Satan will take away from you. It is not a biblical criteria. It's an erroneous doctrine. There are things that God did for people and said, tell no one. Because not everybody can handle the things God wants to do in your life. Are you following what I'm saying? To those who have received the faith of the same kind. What kind of faith is this he's talking about? This was the same faith that Paul had and he was in prison. And he wrote to people who were outside of prison. He says, rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. The man in prison writing to outsiders to rejoice. This is the same kind of faith that Peter had when he wanted to be crucified. He says, I cannot be crucified like my master. Crucify me upside down. This was the kind of faith that Stephen heard that when he was being killed, he saw Jesus and Jesus stood up to welcome Stephen. And Stephen says, don't count this thing against them. Forgive them for they don't know what to do. For most of us, rain will give us a depression. We have dressed to go out, make up, everything ready. You have looked at yourself in the mirror like four times. You know, sometimes you look at yourself and you are confused like, wow, am I this beautiful? You look at yourself again and say, yes, it is me. And then the rain starts falling. Depression hits you. Depression hits you. Why is it raining? Ah, ah, yeah, I mean, that whole day is what? And you now come and say, we have the same kind of faith. Peter will look at you and say, it's not me and you. We're not in the same kind of faith. Paul was writing from prison to people outside and says, rejoice, I tell you, rejoice. If you were to write that later today, you know what you write? Complain, I tell you, complain. This was the same faith that Joseph had. That he, in, in prison, he looked at people and said, Why are you sad? You know, for most of you, we can't ask you why you are sad. Because all your life face is sad. It's when you are happy, we get curious. Like, why are you happy? Because that's, the, that's the, the normal for you is just sad. People want to greet you and say, No, not today, not today. Just leave and leave and leave. And you know why we're sad? You know why we get depressed? Because of things. Because of money. Things. That thing called the joy of our salvation was not yet possessed. It. And these are engagements we need to have. Because when we complain, oh Christians, this country is not changing. And there are many Christians. Who is the Christian? It's you, it's me. And if we do not have these conversations, we cannot change the world. Faith to change the world is faith that overcomes the world. You cannot change a world you are in love with. You absolutely cannot change a world you are in love with. We must have a sense of an assignment as we live on the earth. Your money becomes an assignment. Your marriage becomes an assignment. Your calling becomes an assignment. Whatever job you're doing becomes an assignment in the hands of God for the invasion of the kingdom into the systems of the earth. You no longer live like a mere human being. Your decisions are faith-based. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's build this thing now. So he says, Verse, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that His divine power had granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He didn't just give us things pertaining to life. Like I told you, 
Christians like quoting her verse. So we bless God. He has given us everything pertaining to life. No, He didn't just give us everything pertaining to life. He gave us everything pertaining to life and what? Godliness. Was godliness Christ-like character? The character of Christ. Look at this now. So that, no, through the knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and excellence, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of what? Of the divine nature. Everybody say divine nature. Say loud and clear. Say divine nature. Divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by what? By lust. See that word again. Lust there. Now, I, I, I did a definition of that in the last three seminars. Now, it says the corruption in the world comes by lust. There is a corruption that is in the world. It comes by loss. What is this loss now? The three things. Loss of the eyes, loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. It says, but we escape this by our faith in that we've got these divine promises. Now look at this. I'll give you an example. Look at this. Verse 5. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Let's look at three things from there. Just three things. Three things from there. Number one, let's look at self-control, perseverance, and brotherly kindness. And let me give you an example. Self-control, perseverance, and brotherly kindness. Let's say, for instance, a contract is given to a man to do a road. Construct road. For your community. Come on, how many of us know what the average Nigerian is going to do? What is he going to do? Come on, talk to me now. What's he going to do? You don't know. What is he going to do? He's going to buy some fake materials. Am I right? Yeah, that's what he will do. He'll buy some fake materials and do the road shabbily. Hmm? What is he going to do? Why is he doing that? He's doing that so he can get some more money in his pocket. When he gets more money in his pocket, what's he going to become in the society? A big man. You're going to call him chief. Pride of life. He wants to assume that pride of life. So that he'll be able to buy more beautiful cars. Am I right? More fancy, smooth wheels cars. Loss of the eyes. And if he's not born again, so we have some... Of course, he's not born again. Have some women around him. Lost of the flesh. Have you seen that the motivation for that decision is driven by these three things in the world? Are you here? He's driven by these three things in the world. But he has forgotten that in that road, people are going to have accidents because it wasn't done well. Right? The money that the government is supposed to use for something else, he's going to... They are going to now have to do the road again. He's not giving consideration to that. And then, some ministers are going to see that the man is now a chief. They are going to invite him for what? For building fund launching. Do you realize that that minister also is now controlled by what? The pride of life. The lust of the eyes. Because he's seen that guy, that he has some money, now builds a relationship with him. So I'm the one that prays for him personally. But he won't tell you that his motivation is the man's money. Can you see how this thing is softer? Come on now, talk to me, church. Can you see how this thing is softer? I know some of you are thinking about your life, but just say you can think later. You see how subtle this thing is? Drags us into it. But let's assume 
that that man has self-control. That he has perseverance and he has brotherly kindness. Would he make a different decision? He would. What will he say? See, I'll do what I have to do. Whatever comes to me is okay for me. Do you know that Christianity should be taught with contentment? God wants to prosper you, but if you are not a contented man, you will pursue riches at your own expense. Are you following this? So the man has self-control. He controls his appetite for wealth. And he perseveres. He knows I'm going to be wealthy. God is going to bless me, but it's not going to be overnight. It'll come. And then he says, listen, I'm going to do a road that my brothers and my sisters are going to ride on and drive on and need to do a road that keeps them safe. How many of you see that with just these three um, qualities out of all the ones listed there, if a man would implant these three qualities in his life, he would be able to overcome the corruption that is in the world. How does adultery come? Lack of self-control. Adultery is never because of the misbehavior of your husband or your wife. It's lack of self-control. Absolutely. You can explain it whatever you want to explain. But it's lack of self-control. Fornication, the same way. That's why the day you decide to begin to walk by self-control, you would overcome those things. There is no sin in your life right now you can't overcome if you decide that you won't overcome it. Brotherly kindness. Why would a fellow believer scam you? No brotherly kindness. And by scamming you, he gets more money, he becomes a big guy. Are you following how this thing works? Come on, this thing just weaves its way through life. So you've got to be designing. What's driving me? What's driving me? What's pushing me? What actually, you know, if as a minister I'm driven by the pride of life, the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, you know what's going to happen? I will begin to use ministry to make gain for myself. I will begin to peddle the word of God. Honestly, if I'm looking for money, there are certain messages I will not, I will not preach that I'm preaching right now. Because those messages are almost, they almost look like they discourage your commitment. Are you following what I'm saying? I can come here and say there are 10 people here. You know? I mean, I don't know whatever you want to give in the offering this morning. But you know, as we are all seated here, I can raise 100,000 here if I want to raise. All I need to do is speak some prophetic word over your life, bless your life. And say, you know, there are 10 people here. God spoke to me this morning. He told me, called my name. There are 10 people here at 10,000 for 10 hours miracle in 10 minutes. Run here now. I want to count. I want to count. I want to count. Run. 40,000. Yeah? After collecting the 100,000, we can have extra change in this thing. You know? So, okay, God just told me to reduce it so that you will not miss out of the blessing. See, anytime you are in any church like that and you feel like giving, just wait. The price will come down. After I say, okay, okay, okay. So that, uh, just give me one bottle of oil there. So that you not say you went to anything you have, anything, bring it. You just, that's the one you can just join in so that you won't say you didn't stand up. Thieves. You can ask people to give. The Lord can ask you to ask people to give money. But you know one thing? The Lord will never contradict His word. In Corinthians, Paul says, let no man give grudgingly or compulsorily, but as he has willed in his heart. I can come here and say, wait. I mean, the Lord told me this morning, people are going to give you 100,000. Pray about it and see what the Lord will have you do. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, God will never give you an instruction that will contradict the written word. Say the anointing is hot. It's hot. It's not hot. 
It's your greed that is hot. And you know what? Let me tell you this. Listen. Because someone told me, yeah, after I saw that seed, I got a miracle. Let me tell you something. Faith has creative powers. Sometimes, and listen carefully to this, and you never miss this in life. Sometimes, and most times, God honors His word. Honors the speakings of His servant for His namesake for the faith of His children. So I can do that. And you give. And you will actually get a miracle. But you know what God did? God was using it to preserve your faith. That is why he said, on the last day, many will come and say, did we not do miracles in your name? What did he say he will say to them? Go away from me, ye workers of iniquity. What does it mean to walk iniquity? To transgress the law. Say, because I never knew you. Which means that the miracles you did was not out of a relationship with me. It was me honoring my name. So don't tell me that there's results. Result is not a proof of a consistent walk with God. God can give you results to honor His name. Come on. Did Samson not wake up from Delilah's lap and was arrested and he still brought down and killed Philistines? Was his life in relationship with God? No. But you know what he said? He said, God, give me this last time so I can kill these people. God honored His name. Are you following what I'm saying now? <laughs> These are serious stuff now. And you need to give some consideration to them. You need to give consideration to them. So, let's, let's look at here now. Let's go to James. James chapter 4. That's why as a minister, you must be careful. You must be careful. Every day I pray that God helps me. Purifies my motives. Helps me to do the ministry right. Because motive is everything with God. You remember God spoke to Moses and said, Speak to the rock. Let water come out. What did Moses do to the rock? Come on, saying, stuck to me. What did Moses do to the rock? He struck the rock. Did water come out? Come on, did water come out? Was that water in obedience to the instruction God gave Moses? No! In fact, the water came out of Moses' disobedience. You can grow a church in disobedience. But you know the funny thing? The people will not know. It's only you and God. If they did not write that God was angry, we would never know. We would have even been doing water striking services. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on. Are you, are you following this now? And God told Moses, I didn't send you that. And because of that, he cut short his journey. Although the people had water to drink. In the people's eyes, what would be the estimation of Moses? Mighty man. Man, just strike the rock. Water came out. Can your pastor strike the rock like that? <laughs> and meanwhile, in the private conversation of God and Moses, God is saying, you disobeyed me. Are you following what I'm saying? You can have results in disobedience. And that is a scary thing. That's why the fact that things are going well doesn't mean you're living right. And again, that's why if things are going wrong, it doesn't mean you are living wrong because that's what gives birth to, to deliverance ministry, unnecessary deliverance ministry and oppression of people. Because once things start going bad, say, I say something, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying something. You don't need to see anything. When Joseph was thrown in prison, it wasn't because he was a bad person. <laughs> are you following these things? This is where faith is required. Say to obey God when you are in prison. You do everything right, but it looks like nothing is working, but you still hold on to your conviction. I know that my Redeemer lives. 
You know, we print that sticker, but we don't understand the implication of that statement. You know when Job made that statement, it was when his wife came and told him, I can be a voluntary widow. You know one thing I know, right, in, in having to deal with people over the years with pastor, a woman can actually bear with a man for a very long time. A man can be sick and all kinds of stuff, and a woman will still be there. Men have short staying span when things are tough. Do you understand? For instance, a man can do a lot of things, a lot of things that should make the woman leave the marriage. The woman will still stay. Just, oh, for the sake of my children. Oh, my husband. He's a good man. It's just that he's bad like two, three times in a year. But he's a good man. He'll stay there. But if a woman does something once, the pastor, the members, the community, the chief, even angels that are retired. Because they call them for retirement. Let them hear this thing. So that next time, they will not say, you know, it's just the nature of men in that sense. So if a woman tells you, cause God and die, that means it has gotten to her neck. And that woman told Job, say, cause God and die. Do you, do you imagine if your wife comes to tell you? You know, cause God and die makes it look like a very nice thing, like it's a nice thing, you know, cause God and die. It's like your wife brings sniper to you and says, you know what? Problems we are going through is too much. Drink this and die. You know, so and just think of it that way. <laughs> Job says, you speak like one of these foolish women. And then he says, I know my Redeemer lives. That statement was not a sticker he bought in church. It was not a t-shirt. It was not a pastor's phrase. It was not Papa said. That man spoke from the depth of his conviction. And after all his trials, true to his word, true to his word, true to his word, it showed that his Redeemer lives. You were driving. And chain fell out of your bicycle. You are asking God, so where are you? Chain from bicycle. <laughs> you know, some of these we call persecution and problems. If you put them in the light of the scripture, you are playing. You know, Peter will look at you and wonder, like, okay, so what's the persecution now? You were believing God to buy a wig of three five. You now have two nine. So five four hundred and fifty nine that did not come. Is why you are like this. You know the way we teach heaven, like the way we teach heaven, like. If heaven was like that, most of you, they will not allow you to stay near the apostles. They will put you very far. <laughs> so when do you become a Christian? Say 2001. Say you people. Go, go, go. <laughs> I send them to China. So don't understand what Christianity is. Do you realize in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says some of the people refused salvation. That means they held a gun to their neck and said, listen, if you renounce Christ, we will not kill you. And he said, there's nothing to renounce. Go ahead and kill. And you, for a bottle of beer, you have renounced Christ. So I said, I said, you be a Christian. You drink. say, no, wait, 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 drink now. Take a little. No, no, not a good church. Guys, stop two years ago. A bottle of beer of 350. You have, you have denied your pastor, denounced your faith, denounced any association, even your name that is endurance. You have changed it. Oh, what is your name? You have changed it to a name that is non Christian. Just for a bottle of beer. Then later I say, ah, we have the same faith. You are joking. Some of you, to carry Bible is a problem. That's why you hide it in your phone. So you get Bible, say, no, no, not game. Not game, not game. Ashamed of Jesus. <laughs> you know why? You are not properly born again. And you know Some of you is girls that you found to church. Because I like that girl. You say, which church did they go? KDCC. Oh, we'll go now, we'll go. So every time I preach, which service are you attending? Second service. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. All this preaching and preaching now, you are busy writing poems. 
I think I, I'm thinking that you are touching, blessing my message. You are not right here today. I love you. I will allow us to talk more after this man has finished. He talks the real thing that brought me here. <laughs> they will say, what are you believing God for? Oh, Father, do it. Do what? <laughs> you know, sometimes, eh? You know, sometimes the blessing that God blesses us is so that we will not just trouble his life. They're like, okay, what do you want? Job, oh, yeah, take and just get out. They're not ready to serve me. Let me ask you a question. What would you do if God does not answer any single prayer for the rest of your life? Would you still stay committed? What about if you never have another car? What about if you never have another promotion? We need to engage these things. We need to ask ourselves these things. You see, we need to build a formidable font so that when persecution comes, we are standing our ground. Nothing wavering. Say, having done all, stand. When you've done everything you can, you've prayed, you've sowed seed, you've confessed, you stand in the midst of that situation and say, bring it on. And when you have that approach to life, you realize that nothing will trouble you. As I'm here, I'm one person that has zero anxiety. Nothing bothers me. Nothing. 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 I go to bed. I'm thinking. Thinking of what? Ah, this COVID. What will happen to church? If church closed, we start again. There's, I mean, there's no, what is the biggie? That you now have, most of you have, have high blood pressure for troubles that will never exist. You created those troubles yourself, entered those troubles yourself. You, they, that is, they, ah, if my husband could die now, if my husband could die now, if my husband, the man is still alive. And that's why when you go to the doctor, I mean, this is a word of knowledge now. They don't find anything wrong with you. Because what is wrong with you is mental, is inside your mind. And cetoscope does not see that, x ray does not see that one. It's the peace of God that will cure you. And that's the word of knowledge. The peace of God. Allowing the peace of God to come in your heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you following me now? Go to James. <laughs> James chapter 4. It's talking about faith that overcomes the world. Identifies the system of the world and overcomes it. We need to build this formidable faith because the world is coming against us. Redefine. Do you realize? Let me say this now quickly. G- give me James chapter 4, verse 1. Put it up on the screen. Do you realize that right before our very own eyes, sexuality is being, is being redefined? Yeah? It's been redefined. Gay movies been released. And if you, if you give the world another five, six years, it becomes normalized. In fact, that Christian companies have been taken to court for refusing to do cakes for people who are gay. It's just summarized. And you think the darkness will stop there? It won't stop there. It won't stop there. I showed my wife a picture. And most times I tell her these things years before they come. Not as a prophet, just somebody who thinks forward. I showed her a picture. You see... What's happening right now? Men's dresses have been made like female gowns and then with trousers. How many of you have seen those dress patterns coming off? Right. Seen those dress patterns coming off? Then guys are painting their fingernails and doing their fingernails like ladies. Celebrities are doing it. Just watch. Just watch. In the next four or five years, you begin to see that coming as a fashion trend. I've shown her. And the deliberate attempt is to make men advertise women's things. And it's there. I've shown you a couple of pictures. You know these things? American starts them. And then we, whatever any white man does is right. The fact that, the fact that you, we are black, 
We just take it hook, line, and sinker. Still 21st century slavery. Huh? It's become normalized. You'll be surprised. Tell your best friend. Two of you will be measuring gun. You'll be measuring bust for, for him. You'll be measuring bust for you. At a point, it will look like Because how does the world normalize evil? Through media. Through media. And I showed her another one. There's a woman right now fighting for the rights of humans to have sex with animals. That if you can have sex with anybody, then animals also have their right. They have freedom. It's there. No, don't do God forbid. That's the world we're in right now. It's not about God forbid. This is the push. You know why? Just as you increase in righteousness, so evil increases. If you, I mean, we are not, we are not, this is not an old church in that sense. If you had been told 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, that a man and a man will legally get married and wear wedding gown and suit, would you have believed? I was saying the message of the first service. Let me tell you these things. These are reality. I was in the U.S. in Feb- was it February or January. I was in the U.S. early part of this year. I can't remember when I went. I was with my friend, Marvin. I was my friend. I think I told you when I got back. I was my friend, Marvin. So we checked into the hotel. He came to help me so he can drive me around. <laughs> we went, I went down to collect the key. And the man said, the receptionist said, Oh, wow, you have a very lovely partner there. It didn't cross my mind. You know, you know where you're not used to evil. It didn't cross my mind. I, I, oh, yeah, thank you. Mommy, I said, you are saying thank you. Thank you. Do you know what the man is saying? I said, no. He said, I have it. He said, no. The man said, I almost I said, no, no, no. We have to go and correct this. I mean, I said, we have to go back and say, you know what? We are from Africa. In Africa, it's fine. You know, because to us here, you can, I mean, why would the man rent on that? He's your brother. And you see, so for me, what got to me was the default thinking pattern. See, this is the way we think here. Here we'll make the assumptions, right? That they are brothers. It will even take something very strange for you to think separately. I don't know if you understand. But there, it is opposite. You have to prove beyond reasonable doubt. And as a society, some of us will send our children to and say we're giving them a better life. You need to be careful your definition of better life. Because if they get education and get their values, they have missed out on kingdom priorities. Are you following this now? Let me push this for five minutes. James chapter 4. Now, what are, the example I've just given to you is extreme. That's extreme example. But daily, these interactions come between the pride of life. That thing you're having anxiety to buy, what will it really add to your life? That extra wristwatch, what will it add? Sometimes it can just be for the pride of life. And that is what is making you scam and swindle and push yourself. You know, at a point you have to sit yourself down and say, listen, let me be grateful for the life that I have. You have to sit yourself down. If not, you keep hearing, there's next level, there's next level. The one day you realize the next level is your grave. You have died. Because you are in constant pursuit of something that will never satisfy you. But you know the funny thing I've learned about life? When you start making God your focus, these other things will be added. 
There are certain times myself and my wife and my family would just wake up and we just ask ourselves, how did we get here? How did we get here? Just the pursuit of God. Just the pursuit of God. If you hang around me, you will know there's one thing that runs my mind. is ministry. Nothing else. Sincerely, if you come before me and ask me what kind of car I want, I don't have an idea. It's not bad, but I don't have an idea. Never really taking my time. What kind? I don't have an idea. But I realize that these things come without struggles. Because your heavenly father knows what you need. Why don't you trust God as your father? Why don't you tone down this pursuit? This anxiety, this push. Look at this. You see all the people, right? See all the people they are catching everywhere. Hmm? Online for fraud. Hush Papi and Invicta. You know, Invicta was put on Forbes as a model young man. You know him now? Hmm? I've got the Forbes magazine in my, in my, in my office because I read Forbes sometimes too. <laughs> I was put there as a model, motivational speaker. You can be anything you want to be. You can be anything you want to be. Anything you desire to be. Meanwhile, scam is going on behind the scene. And you are saying, oh Lord, Father, oh Father, look at a young man my age. Look, that, you know, one of the things that would have given us peace of mind in this life was to remove bets and age certificates. You know the way that thing gives, you know some of us develop sickness before our birthday. Ah, I'll be 29. I'll be 29. By 29 I said I should have married and have seven children and two husbands. Oh, but 29 has come. Had, oh, two husbands. I said two husbands. You know, what kind of you know, literally, sometimes I forget my birthday. Literally, sometimes I just wake up and realize, oh, it's my, yeah, it's good not to. Some of you threaten us a month ahead. Birthday loading, birthday loading. Bed, we are like, when with this loading? Because if you miss that loading for the next one year, okay, birthday loading, 43 days to go, 60 days to go, loading. loading. <laughs> Don't harass people. It's you they gave birth to, not all of us. Oh, harass people's life. Okay, you can load your bed, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. James 4. Let me do this five minutes. Because what is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? Is it, not the, is it not the source your pleasure that wage war in your members? Your pleasure that wage war in your members? Observe the word pleasure that wage war. Pleasures that wage war. Internal conflict. Internal turmoils. Hmm? Internal turmoils. The other day I was telling someone, as, I mean, I was just having this conversation with myself, I think. And I said, listen, people sometimes don't know how we need to deny ourselves to live low so we can bless others. They don't know. Sometimes we just deny ourselves so we can be of a blessing. If we want to go by, you know, what you think you deserve, you keep pursuing that pride of life. Keep going. And of course, this is not a message against ambition. I taught you last month about material increase, that God wants to increase you. But you know what? If I teach you material increase and I don't teach you what I'm teaching right now, I will set you on a path of self-destruction. Praise God. Verse 2, you lost and do not have, so you commit murder. What murder is this? It's to hate your brother. 
when you lost for what your brother has, you lost for what your fellow person has, and you don't have, you begin to hate them. That's why it's called. Some people have hatred against the rich. It's not as if the rich has done them anything. It's the lust for that wealth that they cannot access. So they just hate anything about rich. You just hate your children for nothing. See a rich man's child playing with iPad, you'll be angry. This thing can fit people. He can fit. He can fit ten people. Is it? Is it your money? Go on, go on social media. You see all those, all those everywhere. Ha! Ah, how can they be doing that when they can feed the hungry? Do you know? I mean, some of you are members of this church. Do you know we have a feeding program we do almost one month or every two months in this ministry? You know that, right? You, you don't know. Some say, I never see the food. <laughs> but you know that, right? Do you see any of that reported on Facebook? But do you know that? I mean, Somebody can see this church and see everything and just feel, ah, and there are poor people, there are hungry people in this church. You see, and listen, listen, I'm going somewhere. This is not to give glory to self. I'm teaching you something. You know what? In an attempt for people not to say that about us, what do we do now as pastors? Come on now. What do we do as pastors? If you don't tell me we're closing this door, you know, this is second service. There's no other service. You won't go home. What do we do as pastors? We publicize everything we are doing for the poor. What did Jesus instruct us to do about giving? He says, give in what? Secret. So you see, that whole thing about publicizing what we are doing so that the whole world will know we are helping the poor stems from the pride of life. It's an attempt to be friends with the world. And in that, we make ourselves an enemy of God. Come on now, are you seeing what I'm saying? I know you won't agree, but that's the truth. It's clear. Come on. What did Jesus say about our giving? Do it in secret. And who is going to reward you? Your Father in heaven. But we realize, if we do it in secret, the world will accuse us of spending money. The world will think we're not helping the poor. So what do we do? We adjust to the philosophy of the world. And we do all the public giving. And then what happens? The world says, wow! This pastor is the most generous pastor in Africa. And yet the pastor is doing that. And it's in direct contradiction to the directions of the master. It's not everybody who is showing what they do publicly that is actually helping the poor. Some are helping their egos. There are much people doing massive stuff on the ground. Some of you here, seated here, you are helping a lot of people in your life. But you're not putting that up. So does that mean you're not living a good life? You are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's your cousin, your training. That younger one, you're paying the school fees. Don't make it look like until you buy 100 bags of rice for the poor and people line up, you know, and wear t-shirts. And say, no, don't think you're not changing lives. No, you are absolutely changing lives as you, as you act kindly to your next door neighbor, as you act kindly to your brother. We must begin to bring these things into perspective. If not, at the end of the day, we'll all be driven just to satisfy something called the pride of life. Some of the greatest givers I know are the most quiet people ever. Are you following this now? Come on, I said, are you following this now? This is not a message with a lot of amens. It's a message that causes you to think deeply. That's very important. You lost and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. 
You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasure. Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be wealthy. If you ask anybody why they want to be wealthy, you know what they'll say? Because I want to help the poor. Oh, I want to be able to help a lot of people in my life. Now, you know what? Go and ask them. How many people are you helping right now? They'll say, no, when the money comes. You see, you cannot, you cannot be faithful with one million if you have not been faithful with a thousand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, church, listen to me. You are not going to help the poor tomorrow if you aren't helping the poor now. You are not going to give to your pastor tomorrow if you're not giving to your pastor now. It's not about how much you're giving. It's about having the attitude to do it. That is self-deception. I mean, God, God bless me. Ah, if God bless me. This is my pastor that I teach you. I know I will buy a car. Buy pure water first. I will not be waiting here till you buy a car. You know, when the car comes, hey, the car I have in mind to buy, they have not produced it. The car, that's how you'll be posting me and God until that's how God have died. In my next life, I will take you over. It's a lie. What am I trying to say? Sometimes, we feel like we need to help people big. Listen, it is not even the motive about helping people. We know that when we help people, when we are big and large, there is an air to it. And you've got to deal with that. Because if you really want to help people right where you are right now, you can help someone. Do you know there are children's school fees that are 7,000 naira per term? Come on. Yeah? There are some school fees that are 10,000 naira per term. You don't need to wait till you give scholarship to the university. Start from that. I mean, I say this with all utmost humility I can. Myself and my wife, we started paying people's school fees from the first, first year we got married, even when we didn't have any kids. For some of them, those school fees was 15000 I mean, we look back and we can see trail of people we sent through school. And sometimes we ask ourselves today, how did we get the money to do it then? But you know what I, I realized about God? If you are faithful in little, He just keeps... He should, sometimes you do things and you look back and say, how did I do it? That's the faith of God at work. If you're waiting for tomorrow to be relevant to the kingdom, it's already too late. The kingdom needs you now. You're born for such a time as this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All the money you're spending, you want to plan to use to do a birthday party, go and take it to feed the poor. Start from there. Don't wait until cameras. I want to rent camera. I will print t-shirt. No. Convert all of those money and use it to be of a blessing. Do the right thing, not with the wrong motives. Come on, say motives is important. Alright, so he says Verse 5 Do you think that the scripture speaks Okay, you are adulteress Why did he mention adulteress? Because you are in union with God You are married to God And so God doesn't want you flirting with the world Because you are in a marriage relationship Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God Therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world Makes himself an enemy of God Verse 5 Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. I want to explain this. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore he says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Servant, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want to explain this scripture in context. What does it mean to submit to God? What does it mean to resist the devil? What does it mean for God to give grace to the humble? The proud man is the man that want to use the things we have read, um, read in verse 1 to 4 to fulfill his ambitions. The humble man is the man that submits to the will of God. 
And as you submit to the will of God, you are resisting the devil. Let me give you an example. Two examples quickly. Joseph. Joseph stands before Potiphar's wife. He's not the one going after Potiphar's wife. It's Potiphar's wife coming after him. Do you realize if Joseph had slept with Potiphar's wife, he would have gotten a level of promotion. That is the truth. He would have gotten a level of promotion. But you know what Joseph did? That would have been pride. What would be the pride? God wants me to be king. I know how I can become king. If I sleep with this woman, it's an easy route. But you know what happened? He submitted to God and said, I fear God. Walked away from that temptation. God gives him grace. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Do you understand how this scripture works now? Come on, do you understand how this scripture works? This scripture works anytime I'm standing before temptation. I see temptation from a point of listen. If I submit to God, the devil will flee from me and I will access grace. It is humility to submit to God. When the pride of life comes, it's humility to submit to God. Let me show you this. Let me show you this quickly. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 31.30, for instance. Proverbs 31.30. Proverbs 31.30. Let's look at this now. Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. When you listen to a lot of relationship books and you read a lot of relationship seminars, what do they tell you about relationship? Most of them emphasize beauty. Most of them emphasize charm. But the Lord is saying, listen, if you would humble yourself before me and choose the fear of the Lord, you would receive grace. Most times, how do we choose? We choose by beauty. We choose by charm. And that's how the world defines beauty. That's how the world defines relationship. So every time we are coming in our choices, there is the way of God and there is the way of the world. Are you following this? There's still more. We're going to continue on Sunday. There's still more in this topic. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We call everyone here blessed in the name of Jesus. We thank you that in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God will abide and rest with them. And Father God, even as they go forth and engage these truths, the blessing of God will rest upon their lives in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.